Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We're on episode 28. I didn't forget, partially because we're recording these two days in a row. Um, thank you to Brownells. They do sponsor the channel, so we're going we're gonna to thank them heavily. Uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of Brownells products tonight. Um, some that aren't Brownells products, but we're definitely going to be talking about a lot of stuff there. Um, I know Millar has... Um, some stuff that he wanted to share uh, about some sort of bolt care group that allows you to shoot your law tactical folder folded. Um, Eric. Yeah, there we go. The Eric. Um, to be honest, I'm not a big fan of the law tactical folder, but apparently everyone and their mom is. So, you know, there we go. Uh, I personally won't even won't even start there, but I do like the fact they come in multiple colors now and you can get them on Brownells. And I think, you can buy them and they're 40 bucks off right now. I think it's, I think if you buy one, it's like 40 bucks off or something like that. Right. And, and Brownells is the only ones that have OD green. Yes, uh, which... that they are exclusive. I believe they were done by blown deadline. I don't even know who that is. Uh, he's a Cerakoter. He's mm. uh, got a pretty big following on um, Instagram. He actually did the junkyard ops mags, um, which if you are, listening uh those are on sale here for the fourth of july weekend i'm not sure when we're uh when are you planning on posting this one up uh this will be out on friday this won't be out for the fourth of july weekend um, all right. this will be so out probably... after that this will be out on the eighth all right well they have some pretty cool mags on there right now well, um, apparently we should have gone through this yesterday <laughs> yeah i i uh, was kind of i was thinking about that <laughs> um <laughs> Well, if you're, if you're waiting for <laughs> us to tell you about all the fun stuff that's happening over at Brownells, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> you should be. But yeah, the but yeah, the Brownells has those uh, the the only OD green ones, to my knowledge, unless somebody else does them custom, um, which is pretty cool. I don't know. I'm Am pretty I... excited to get an Aimpoint T2 coming up here next month. T2. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get a T2 and the Unity fast mount. And then I'm going to try to get the, the OD green fast mount, but I, yeah. I think that was like a limited run. Yeah, it is a limited run and nobody else offers it. So it's going to be sold out for apparently ever. Um, apparently there are guys now Cerakoting the um, black one. Like you can get the black one and they'll Cerakote it for you, but it's not the same. Um, yeah. But yeah, they uh, at Brownells, if you buy the um, Aimpoint T2, uh, you can buy the Aimpoint T2 and the Unity for 900 bucks. And I'm pretty sure you could get some savings on that if you use some coupon codes. So uh, that's not too bad. Uh, I mean, granted, that's hell of expensive. So I totally understand why some people would not want to do that. Um, but I do want to try out the fast mount. I want to give it a, a better shot. Plus, I want to use it with a front sight post. Um, I think that would be um, pretty ingenious to run that with. And then um, get the Omni mount so I can run my 3X magnifier behind it to see how that will work out. So Can you see the, can you see the iron sight through the ports in the uh, mount? Yes, yeah, so there are little ports in the mount and you can see through there. Um, and there's a little, there's actually a front and rear sight in there that you could zero. Um, but I don't recommend running the front sight because apparently that's not, um, that's not very good. That, that front sight, I guess, isn't like wonderful, some people are saying. Um, but apparently you can run the rear sight that's integrated into the mount and it's it's adjustable for windage and then you know your front sight is adjustable for elevation 
Um, and you can run that in conjunction with like a front sight post upper, or you can run it with a, with a front sight post that's at the end of your rail. So I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, these do come in a set too. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, the uh, but I'm I'm looking at that plus the uh, the Omni. I really like that uh, Omni magnifier uh, magnifier mount, um, which I think is actually pretty ingenious. Um, that it you can you can put all sorts of different freaking uh, magnifiers on there. I think that's I think that's awesome to me. So um, uh, it's better than like the uh, they just had the G thirty three magnifier before, and I think they got rid of that one and just went to the Omni. So you can run all sorts of magnifiers with it now. I'm gonna need this in my life. I, you know what, dude? I'm, I'm not, I'm not. You know, what the cool part is if you own an EOTech, it's actually cheaper if you own an EOTech to get their their little EOTech riser, the fast the fast optic riser. Um, so I would, I would suggest if you're looking at one, you can totally get one of those. If you have like an EOTech or a UH1 or, or, or something like that. Um, they also make them the fast MRO mounts for Unity Tactical. They're all 2.26 height. So if you're running like a 1.93 or something like that, it probably won't be your cup of tea. Um, but I do highly suggest if you are looking at like a higher optics mount, especially to run in conjunction with a flip to center magnifier. Um, that's probably something I highly recommend. Uh, I think that would probably be very, very good. So they're all, well, I don't know. I feel like it's a stupid question. They're the same height? Like the you're saying the fast mount for the T2 is the same height as the EOTech one? Because this fast mount visually looks tall, like really tall. Well, it is. It's 2.26 overall height, the, the Unity fast mount. But the, the Unity fast mount for the EOTech the fast optic riser that brings your EOTech, your 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 lower one third co witness EOTechs, that brings it that center line optic up to two point two six. Oh, okay. So they so, are basically about the same height. Yeah. Same so height. your your EOTech will be the same height as like a T two with the fast micro mount. Hmm. So just so if you're if you guys are wondering, um, I have I actually have a few videos on my channel about it. So if you guys are curious, you can go check that out. Because um, I have had a Unity Tactical riser in the past, and I liked it. I just, uh, at the time, they only had the uh, G33 magnifier and the Aimpoint Pro magnifier, and I couldn't really swing either of those optics at the time. So I just kind of sold that mount and was, like, done with it. So, um, but now I want to try it out with the um, with the Omni mount, because that's supposed to be pretty freaking awesome. Adam's been really trying to twist my arm to get the uh, green one for the EOTech. <laughs> you know, he's he's actually, he's pretty cool. I like his channel. Um, I do wish he had a little bit more energy in his channel, but uh, I do like his channel. So if you guys are ever curious about uh, Adam, the Adam Jagger, um, go check him out on uh, Instagram, YouTube, and all the other fun places. He's a... Uh, He's been on the podcast before. I think we have we had an ep we had him on about like five or six episodes ago. So he's a pretty cool dude. I'm trying to get Mike on the podcast again, but he's always working and doing something crazy. So he's never available. <laughs> um, what what did uh, I know? We were going to talk about something else. Oh, what did you get in um, for any of your stuff from Brownells? We talked a little bit about that last episode, but I really wanted to kind of go over. Uh, more stuff about that. 
No, are you there? Are you dead? I think Malar said he didn't want to talk to us anymore. Are you there? Yeah, I don't know what just happened. Did you lose power? No, uh, we do have storms rolling through and I got people lighting off fireworks since it's the 4th of July weekend. So I am, I'm not being shot at just to be clear. Uh, <laughs> That's good. Well, we can't hear any of that. Uh, but I will tell you, um, it's, uh, do you, are you allowed to buy fireworks in your state? No, no. Uh, I mean, not like the good stuff. Oh, see, we have the good stuff here. I actually just bought some. I bought a 24 pack for like 140 bucks of um, their six inch artillery shells. They're supposed to shoot like 200 feet in the air and they're supposed to like fucking boom. So um, I can't wait to launch a couple of those guys out. I'm really hoping that we get at least a good amount of rain tonight. So that way it will stop us um, from catching on fire. So that would be nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you know here we just have like the the you know the little snakes and the sparklers. <laughs> Sounds quite boring, actually. I mean, there's the there's the ground effects, but nothing that um nothing that goes blasting in the air. Oh man, ours are so much fun. But you know, you live in one of those horrible states, so. Yep, this that's is how, a fact. That's how it was in California when I lived there. They were very anti like people having fun. So I always thought that was quite interesting. Um, so I thought it was crazy interesting was during COVID, like they're so anti the fireworks, but there was so much footage of people shooting off massive amounts of fireworks during COVID. It was pretty funny. Oh, really? Was that, a, was that like a huge thing where you were? No, no, that was in Cali. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see. It goes to show you I never pay attention to that shit. Yeah, they uh, there was a huge defiance to like they were like, oh, there shouldn't be any celebrations or this and that. And then you were seeing all these pictures on the internet of like, I want to say it was like L.A. and it was just like lit up from like satellite view of fireworks <laughs> going off. <laughs> well, I wanted to shout out uh, K Arms on the podcast because I've had many K Arms lowers in the past. And I know that we're getting off topic of fireworks here real quick, but I'm going to, I'm going to kind of rope it into the same thing. So I actually originally come from Arizona where, you know, you could buy cool fireworks and go blow them off and do stuff like that. Um, but K arms is actually located there in Phoenix. And um, I actually have not had a forge, one of their lowers. The, uh, the cool part about the K arm stuff though, is I've never had a, 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 I've had their billet lower, I've had their polymer lowers, but I've never had just their standard forge lower. And for about $100, this lower actually isn't terrible. Um, and I'm, I'm really surprised. It has a beveled, slightly beveled magwell. It's not as good as like the M4 E1 lower from Aero Precision. Um, and it's definitely not as good of a lower as their um, other stuff, uh, like when it comes to the magwell, but it's just a, it's got a really nice finish, a really like for, for a black anodized lower receiver for a hundred dollars. I feel like honestly, it was just a, it was easy to build super simple to put together. I really liked it. And if you guys are ever in the, in the market to go picks up a, like a, like a K arms, uh, lower receiver or just anything that K arms has, um, they actually have a sale 
uh, on their personal site. Um, if you go over there and you type in like 17.76, it gives you like 17% off of all their stuff for 4th of July. Also, they sell a ton of stuff on Brownell. So if you're ever, like if you want to try one of their triggers, like I have the SLT2 trigger and uh, it's really interesting because the SLT2 trigger, uh, I really uh, find it odd, um, but cool. So like you, when you, when you shoot it, I'm going to click here real quick. <clears throat> I know you can't see this, excuse me. <coughs> so when you shoot the trigger and you have a down hammer and say you like didn't do anything or you're done, you can still put your weapon on safe with the SLT2 trigger. So I actually find that quite interesting. Now, I don't know where that's going to play in the whole deal for like what people want um, as far as triggers, but it's a very nice crisp trigger. It uses their, it's some sort of patented technology that they have and somebody machines it right there in Phoenix and just an awesome thing. I put some B5 furniture on it, which to be honest is how all of this stuff should come. I don't think any of this stuff should come without B5 furniture. I really like the B5 stuff. Um, I do like the Reptilia, the Reptilia, Reptilia grips, their CQG. Um, that one's a really short grip. So if you have long hands, like if you have like like elephant man hands, um, you probably won't like that grip, but the B5 grip is very nice. Um, and I really have been enjoying these B5 grips. So um, definitely something I look forward to shooting more often now, um, especially with this lower. And I have a 13.95 Roscoe barrel that's coming that I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna slap an upper together and I'm gonna run with this lower receiver. Um, because I really like how that is. Uh, I really like the overall aesthetics. So I really want to do that. I want to run it with this and my uh, black KP15 lower, just because I think that lower is really awesome. What have you got to talk about? Um, or do you have any questions about that? Uh, well, I was going to say you're running the, uh, the forged mill spec lower. I think we covered this uh, yesterday, right? Yes. Okay. So Brownells does have them on sale right now. I've been looking at them for a little bit, actually, and they've been on sale while I've been watching. Uh, $250 for a complete lower uh, M4 stock, standard M4 grip. Uh, yeah, see, then... I just got the stripped mil-spec lower. So it's only, and, and I don't think they sell those on Brownells. I think you have to buy like the full, yeah, $249 on sale. So it's a complete low receiver for $249. Um, not bad at all. So... And I just put the... Uh... Uh, the KP15 in my wish list in OD Green. Yes. Well, you might want to hop on that because apparently from I talked to Russell, they're about ready to be sold out. So. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, do you know they have blems on there too? What what would be a blem in a polymer lower? Uh, apparently they're out of stock. The blems are? Yeah, all the blems. I'm looking the blemish KP15. Uh, there's a. Um, was there a blemished OD green? Because I'm looking at the tan, so I think. Yeah, it says it's in stock, and it's. Oh, uh, okay. And that one, um, the the picture honestly looks like FDE. Uh, it doesn't look like a green, but it it it's supposed to be green. The OD green is OD green. Um, it's actually like very close to Geisley's buffer tube OD green. So if you're looking at the OD green, yeah, I, the one I have, um is very nice so i highly i highly recommend it i feel like you gotta say very nice in like a borat voice man say again 
Yeah, I feel like you like when you're saying very nice, I feel like you got to uh, use like the Borat. Very nice. Not very nice. I, yeah. I, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like a moron. Um, no. <laughs> no, these have a proprietary safety too, right? It's okay. So it's, it's not te- like you can use whatever safety you want. The problem is you just have to drill it out if you ever want to remove that safety. So it's, and it's not necessarily like proprietary. They just put in a cut in there, like a shelf. So that way you can easily remove the safety. Um, and you can, you can use more than one. I tend to, on the KP-15s, I really like their safety on the KP-15s. Um, I don't necessarily like it like in any of the other stuff that I run, just because I've been really digging the battle arms development safeties um, and not necessarily liking the radium that I have. Uh, but a lot of I see a lot of people put the safeties in and they're like, how come I can't take the safety out? And it's like, well, you, first of all, never read the material that the lower shipped with. Um, plus, their safeties are relatively inexpensive. I think they're like 20 or 30 bucks. Um, very nice stuff. So very nice. I need to get that guy's thing. I need to just pull it up on YouTube so I can just play you need it. To, need to plug it in. Yeah, because I can't <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, they I mean, they look. They definitely look uh, very nice. <laughs> um, I don't know. We've talked about this before, and I've sat on here drooling, and I'm doing it again. Um, the safety part, like, because basically, one like once you put it in there, it's just there's a detent holding the whole thing in, and the way that it's set up, you can't because you is not the, because it does not have a removable grip. That detent is like set right is that what, why everybody says you can't remove it if you don't use the ke arm safety and it's not that you can't remove it it's just that you have you you have to get like a shim either underneath of it or um you have to you have to um you have to be able to like I don't know how to explain it on an audio podcast. That's the thing. Like you, you, it's there's like a little pocket in the safety that they kind of mill into the safety where you can remove their safety on there. But if you have a normal safety, you you push down the safety because the safety and the 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 spring and the detent that are that normally go into the bottom of your safety, like through the grip screw, they're the exact same thing. So the, it's not that it has changed. Um, but the issue is when you when you don't have the safety the theirs that has that ramp, it has a tendency to not allow it to come out, um, which you know would totally be normal. Um, now some people like that; they don't mind using that, and some people are like, "Well, I don't want it because I a the grip angle is not the right thing for me. Um, b the uh, the safety I I can't use the safety that I like." Um, to be honest, when I have it, I think uh, when every time I've ever used it, I think the safety is phenomenal. I really like it. But there are so many people out there who are just like, no, I hate it. I can't stand it. It's stupid and dumb. And I, I totally get that. But at the same time, I would look at it and, and, and uh, <laughs> you know, I would look at that and go, I would take an extra look at that and go, just I don't know. Can you help me here? Cause I'm, I'm kind of at a loss on like what I would say to someone who's going to crap on a product they won't use. Uh, 
I mean, if you aren't going to use it, then change it. Like, what is, like, like, I've been a whole part of the the KP15 thing since the beginning. So what I would like to know is, what are some of the things that people don't like about the KP15? Like, do you, I'm pretty sure you kind of know a little bit about that. And you talk to people about that. I, I haven't talked too much to anybody uh, in regards to like what they don't like about it or any of that. I mean, you have a lot more experience with it. I just, I've only, I've held one. Uh, my local store had two in. Uh, somebody had bought two. And um, I mean, they, I think kind of like you, you feel they're the next big thing. So they bought two of them and they were planning on running them. And then I, I think it was grip angle or something. They decided they didn't like it or they were a little hesitant about the polymer. And um, they went and put both of them on consignment over at the, my local uh, gun shop. I would just and, picked another one up then. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I saw the, the two that were there and I was like, Oh, let me hold that. Cause like I had been eyeing them. And they, they definitely, they peak interest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, the grip angle for me, I mean, I'm, I love my B5 grips, which are a lot more vertical, vertical than like um, the angle that is on these. So I could see that being an adjustment to run this for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. They peak interest. If, if I didn't get one of these, I still, the other one that really really like the look of is there um the high-end one with like the awesome mag well the the aluminum one i can't think of the name of it the billet the billet one yeah that thing is sexy yeah the the billet one is is fantastic i actually had that lower for a long time and i ended up selling it because i was i sold it to buy a couple of my first kp15s um because i i was really like on the um on the train like i really wanted to do that and I mean, now I have like five, I think I have five or six of them now. So I really do enjoy the KP15s, but that billet lower is, um, if you're going to spend 289 on a lower, that Magwell will definitely give you some insanely fast reloads. Um, I do love that, that billet lower that they have. Blemish? Yeah, I mean, checking, checking that out, I, 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 I check out the Magwell on that one. I mean, that, it is worth a look. That it's deep. Yeah, that it, it, it's. Uh, I don't know. It's got a cool look to it. I really like it, and it's it's not just a cool look. There's function there. Um. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a wide uh, magwell. Yeah, I will say I've never I've never had more fun shooting a like a gun than one of those. Like it's been it's been awesome. Like I love those lower receivers. Like I love all the KP 15 stuff. Like that's just stuff that I've always just, I always thought was cool. So uh, I'm super happy they did the, what would stoner do stuff. I'm not sure I'll get a What would stoner do upper? It's not like my cup of tea. Um, I do like, a like, I, I like how light it is, but at the same time, like, it's not like what I would want. I really want to, I really want a Mark 12 SPR upper, like either a mod, a mod two or a mod H. Um, I would love to run one uh, with the KP 15 lower. I think that would be 
fucking awesome. Um, that to me would just be cool. Granted, it would probably be pretty front heavy. So, <laughs> do you do you like um, like what kind of upper would you run on it? On uh, the KE, I mean, you know, my state has their weird restrictions. So for me, it's kind of I have to figure that out. Um, I've had the itch to do a tw- another twenty inch. Can you throw a carbine buffer in that? They're all carbine buffers. In the KP15, it's a it's a carbine length buffer tube. So you you run a carbine buffer in it. You can run a you you can you can run whatever in there. Like as long as it's not rifle, you can run it. Or A5. Yeah, and I was if I do a 20 inch, I'd run a a rifle buffer. Um Good to know. There, so they I, have twenty-inch guns that run on the KP15 lower, and you don't, you don't require. It's not required to have a rifle buffer for a rifle like the. Um, no, nah, yeah, I mean you can probably slap like a H3 in there, and it's probably close enough. Well, rifle buffers are not heavy, like because they have the rifle length gas system, so it's. I think it's a carbine buffer uh, weight, so you can just put a carbine buffer in there with a carbine spring and it would still be the same as if you were shooting a rifle buffer and spring like there's no difference it's Uh, a right a rifle buffer i just googled it to double check myself it's five to 5.2 ounces so it's like a h3 okay yeah run an h3 then yeah so you just throw a h3 in there and then you're you're essentially running a rifle uh buffer and why is a carbine so light I have started to wonder that myself because I used to build everything, everything with carbine buffers. So I now have tons of extra carbine buffers laying around because I've been swapping to H's and H2's depending on the length. And some of that had to do with, I watched Small Arms channel, I believe it was. Um, And he ran through, I mean, what Colt was doing and basically the function built around that, which I think I've talked about in previous podcasts, but when you're building your own stuff and you're throwing these weights in there, everybody is deviating from what the original spec is the majority of the time. Mm -hmm. And with that, you run into function issues in different temperatures and all of that stuff. And um, I mean, it, you know, I've been running my um, Spikes Crusader SBR a ton. So, like, I took that out when it was sub 32 degrees out. I was out there, it was like 23 degrees running that thing. And it took a few rounds for it to get warmed up at the time. Um, but I also didn't realize I was having that buffer, uh, or sorry, the um, gas tube issue. Because I, I don't think I've talked about that much on the podcast other than we had Alex on I was running through I was having some issues um but I haven't talked about the resolution to that which was I pulled um my rail off and you could see gas was blowing everywhere and upon further inspection I had a spikes tactical um buffer or sorry I keep saying buffer tube gas tube um with a Roscoe gas block and there was a massive amount of play um, that I probably should have noticed when I built it, but I did not um, 
So I was running into cycling issues because I was losing large amount of gas. Um, were you the gas block? You were losing it in between the gas block and the gas tube, correct? Not the gas block and the barrel, correct? Correct. Gas tube and gas block. Okay, because you weren't making that clear, so I just wanted to yeah double check yeah. that. Yeah. So I uh, so I've now replaced. I got a Sons of Liberty Gunworks um, gas tube. Put that in. It was a lot tighter. Um, I, I, it still has a little play, which I'm pretty sure is normal just for fitment. Um, but I haven't got, I haven't had a chance to get out to run it again. Uh, I'm excited to to get out there and and try it because uh, I mean, as you know, I was running my Brownells mags, and I kept getting these like sporadic malfunctions where um, sometimes it would short stroke, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I narrowed it down to it being the upper because I had tried somebody else's, uh, I think I tried a carbine, I think I tried a H or a carbine buffer and it still malfunctioned. So I was like, all right, we got uh, an upper related issue that something gas related and sure enough, it was that gas tube. Um, so excited. I was able to figure that out. Now it's just uh, getting out there, testing it, making sure that it runs hundred um, percent. And then I'm going to order a bunch more brown nose mags. There you go. Yeah, keep ordering mags when you can. Yep, man. Because that it's a pain in the butt now trying to get mags. Like I actually went to the gun shop the other day and they only have the Duramag pink ones in. And what's even funnier is I I, I laugh at guys who won't run like the pink mags. Um, because I bought a couple and I thought it was funny because there are dudes out there who are like, I won't buy those, like fucking pink. And I went up to the counter and he was like, Oh, you like pink? And I was like, no, I like magazines. <laughs> it was like, like yeah, yeah. That's when you go. I like tactical pink. Like I, I could get two <laughs> shits if it's pink. Like I own the fucking blue ones. I wish they had those, those, those green ones still back in stock, but they don't have those. But like, there are so many dudes. Are out they there. OD green? The, they have the OD green, but I'm talking about that fluorescent green that they used that that, that bright uh, the, um, green. Like the forest. Yeah. Well, apparently those are going like on like Gunbroker for like 200 bucks a mag now. Oh, I have one. I, maybe I should flip it and just buy a you know case of mags off of what I make. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, did you know that Magpul at one point made OD green? Yeah, and the Gen twos, and then they did foliage in the Gen ones. Magpul, where are you? I know, right? OD green gang is out here. We're trying to survive, and we got these black mags and these tan mags. I know what green some... green builds. What the hell is this? We need some. What is the world coming to? What about the green new deal? <laughs> green, new de- <laughs> green new mags. This is what we need, Magpul. <laughs> yeah, I, go ahead. I, I was gonna say I have seen um I cannot remember what page it is. Um, but one of the like pages that Sarah Coates mags and stuff was doing od green Mm -hmm. but they were not seracoding it what were they doing they were they were i think they were kind of writ dyeing them but it was weird because it was i think they started as black mags so it was like they had to like bleach them in some fashion and then dye them interesting and I, I don't, they don't have them anymore, but I, I saw them on there and I was like, that's actually kind of, uh, kind of cool. Hmm. But yeah, Mag, Magpul needs to stop uh, leaving us hanging and 
get on board with the uh, green new mag deal. Yes, definitely. I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever run the Magpul bipod? I haven't messed around with bipods because I'm normally just standing in a field. Uh, maybe you should um, lay down in a field. Yeah, that sounds better. Um, I have not. It sounds like I need to. I, I, you know what? I, I've limitedly, like very limitedly, run it. Um, and I, and, and I, go ahead. Question with that: Are you, are you, do you have a particular build that you run prone more than other builds? Well, I don't run really any of them prone. Um, and, and, and I think it's because I don't have a bipod. Um, I really do want the Magpul bipod, but every time I go to pull the trigger on it, I find other things that I could spend a hundred bucks on that just seem better to me. Like, <laughs> you know, like I, but I know at some point, like I'm going to need a good bipod. So it's like, I'm, I'm looking at either that or the Atlas, like on what I want to spend money on. Do I want to spend $250 on a bipod or do I want to spend a hundred dollars on a bipod? And it's it's a huge pain in the ass to try to kind of figure that shit out. Um, I have messed around with like one of the big tripods, not like one that you would uh, like lay prone with. And I'm blanking on the name. I can picture their logo in my head. Um, and I think Brownells might stock them, but one of the big ones. A lot of dudes use for like hog hunting and stuff, where you just set every like set everything up in it and. Yeah, I have, I have I have a tripod. Yeah, I, I've played around with one of those. That that was kind of uh, a little I, enjoyable. Speaking of sponsors, uh, thank you to Brownells because I do have the Bog Hunt tripod. The the that's the one we have. Yeah, the the clamping one. I got that, which I thought was freaking awesome, and I use that thing all the time. Um, yeah, we have the carbon fiber one. Oh. I didn't. We I were, didn't feel like spending an extra hundred dollars on the carbon fiber one. Yeah, that was my my brother. <laughs> he he snagged that up, so we I play around with it whenever uh, he brings it out, and we're out in the field. You play around with the carbon fiber one. Yeah, is it that much lighter? Because mine's not super heavy. Like I could imagine I, if I had to carry. I mean, it I haven't handled the other, so it's hard to hard to say. Like I know if I had to carry mine, like it would be it would it would be heavy. Um, but it's like, it also seems quite doable to me. The, a lot of people, I guess, are like out there running the carbon fiber one and it's not that much lighter than the normal one. I think it's only a couple pounds difference. Let's look, let's see if we can find it on brown elephant. And I, I mean, my question is uh, why exactly like what scenario does the weight for that matter? Because if you're hunting, you're normally just carrying it out to your stand. And half the time you're driving like an ATV or a gator or something out there to get to your stand. So what, um, like what, at what point, where, why is the weight a big deal at that point? I don't know. So for the Death Grip Aluminum, it's 169. And then for the Death Grip Carbon Fiber, it's 279. And then the Death Grip Real Tree Camo is uh, 199. So apparently you got to pay for the Real Tree. Um, I'm not finding weights. Let's look at details. 
I'm gonna uh, try Google quick on that um, one. I'm getting <laughs> nothing for weight on either of these. <laughs> um, so they don't even care about the weight. <laughs> yeah. So apparently weight's not an issue. Um, I do love it though because I mean you can get it really flat. You can probably run it as like a bipod. You could probably totally run that as a bipod. Um, uh, like down almost prone. Yeah, I'm pretty. It's still, it still looks kind of. I don't know. I, it might be a touch tall for prone. Like, but you could probably sit like uh, sit there Indian style and shoot. I've done that quite frequently. I love that. Or sit on the back of my uh, in the back of my um, vehicle. I literally just sit in the back and like have the tripod there with my legs kind of dangling out, and I just shoot there. It's kind of a pain in the ass to set up, but once you set it up, it's very nice. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's great. It's solid. It's rock solid once you set it up. But, you know. So. This is kind of mind-blowing. I'm even on their site, and they don't list a weight. So, like, what is the point of <laughs> offering the carbon fiber model when you aren't even going to call out how much your weight's? Well, I think, I think that... Um, they don't really care. Like, I think, the, <laughs> I think the, what ends up happening is... Um, uh people end up going on there and they're like oh it's carbon fiber it's got to be ultra lightweight and then they get it and they're like yeah it's it's lightweight <laughs> like i don't know yeah i mean yeah i think you're right i think you're right it's just funny that if you actually look at their site and stuff they don't call it out because again like that's a that is a marketing detail yeah you know i'm looking at their site right now and you're right i don't i don't see it tripods the death grip serpa sherpa sherp sharpa i don't know what that is <laughs> the yeah, great... there's there's they offer some really i mean they're 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 nice tools for sure yeah i mean they have a ton of stuff i mean the field pod the adrenaline tripod the havoc tripod they have the rapid shooting rest for 50 bucks that's actually not bad um it's just like a thing you drop down there um you have a great divide tripod head where you probably do camera stuff with that <laughs> they have the death grip uh, ultralight i think you can actually do oh and you know i closed i closed out their site and kind of shifted gears but i I'm pretty sure like the tripod, the carbon one and the one that you have, you can replace the top. Yes, you can. Yes. Yeah. And you can run a camera on that. Yeah. So it, it is, it's a versatile tool, whether you're using it for hunting or if you use it for like a photography or videography uh, application. Yeah. So um, have you, uh, have you seen the new Sierra five from dead air? Uh, yes. Um, I saw, I glanced at it, but it's normally just scrolling through because, you know, I'm a, um, a huge rugged fan. Well, I'm excited for it, but at the same time, I don't know if I would buy one. Why is that? Because I like cans that fill multiple rolls and I like K-cans. So it's not necessarily a K-can. It's um, kind of interesting looking with the uh, what do they got going on on the front there? 
Oh, yeah, the flash hider bit deal. Uh, it was just the texturing. Uh, the flash hider bit is actually pretty minimal. The one on the rugged, um, I bought that, and I know we were going to talk about night vision, so it could be a good pivot point. But uh, I, I bought the rugged flash hider one, and that one sticks out like three quarters of an inch off the front. Pretty aggressive. Um, and it looks good. It looks good on there. And the, the pictures they show of them in use on like the, the rugged site are on a 11.5. And I mean, it's shooting a pretty good flame at the front without it. And then with that thing on there, um, it's very minimal to none. Yeah, I'm not 100% um, sure on the flash hider end caps. I wish... Um, I, I hope that it's as good as they say. I, I know that everyone right now is just on the hype train. Let's, let me go to dead air. I mean, the, the function behind it for me when I was researching and reading the reviews was more about auto gating. So when I was reading about the rugged one, uh, somebody in the reviews said they were running it with night vision and um, without it, like they were auto gating nonstop. Mm-hmm. So they put that on and it, it resolved the problem. Well, yeah, if you, so you need a flash hider end cap, especially if you're running night vision, you will need something that cuts down on the flash. Um, I personally would love, uh, I do like the dead air stuff, like the, the dead air e-brake, I don't think would be good. Like the one that goes on the end of your suppressor. I don't think that would be good for night vision stuff. Um, but you have the rugged, and that's pretty decent with flash at night, correct? Uh, I mean, everything I've seen is is yes. I still need to get out there with it. Um, I need to. I'm I'm hoping to get out there one night in the farm fields and actually like um, test it out then. Or my buddy, uh, like if I can make it out to my my buddy's property, one of the two. Um, I'd like to get out there and actually play around with it more. I'd love to get some, I mean, some YouTube content to actually show the um, with and without it. Um, yeah, you show need actually what it does. You need way more shooting in your videos. You don't do enough shooting in your videos. I'm very I, disappointed I, in that. I, I need to like hire a full-time videographer. <laughs> <laughs> your wife won't go out there with you and do it? Uh, no, it's hard to get her to come out sometimes. Okay. Uh, I, I will say, uh, like we, I, we went out last weekend. Um, I, you, you saw, I went to historic, uh, or colonial Williamsburg mm-hmm. and they had a musket and, um, foul Fowler, um, shoot where you could go out and shoot those. So we signed up, both of us went and did that and she loved the Fowler um and said we needed one so <laughs> what is it what is a fowler what what the fuck is uh, that so a fowler is what the farmers would have used back in the i mean probably 1600s to 1800s um well i guess 16 1700s um it's not like a kentucky long or anything is it uh, i'm not sure exactly what those are <laughs> Um, but basically like a true musket that had a, I believe it was a hard oak stock. Um, and then it also had the bayonet lug on the front, which also doubled as like a front sight. 
um, and the Fowlers were smooth bore, uh, so you could run it, run like a musket ball, or I think you could actually load it kind of uh, shotgun-wise too mm. with shot. Um, but they would use it for, I mean, hunting stuff that, are, that was eating their crops and things of that nature. Um, the trigger pull was like three pounds versus a, a musket was actually like nine. So That's weird. Why were muskets so heavy? With the uh, so soldiers didn't accidentally pull trigger because i mean you're back then everybody was operating in the, everybody's shooting upon the fire command and essentially you're fulfilling the role of soldiers are the machine gun <laughs> because you're barraging a whole bunch of rounds at once versus uh just one soldier taking a shot true true i guess I guess, like, so what was what was so great about the Fowler to her over the musket? I, I, I honestly think it was probably the, the trigger pull, um, which makes me interested to, for her her gun, trying to get a, a little bit lighter of a pull, because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of stuck on, uh, or have been stuck on mil-spec uh, trigger groups for a while. I will say that Scalper, with the Geisley government contract trigger, playing around with that in the basement while I'm still waiting for my optic. Holy shit. The difference between that and what I am playing around with is huge. Hmm. Um, What are you running now? Are you, you have a Geisley G2S trigger, right? uh, I'm, I'm running the um, government contract trigger. Oh, I thought you also had like a G2S trigger. You just run what? Like standard lower parts kits triggers. Yes. Oh, yeah, I'm running. I, I mean, I have a variety of um, Rock River Arms. I think I have one Palmetto in the mix. Um, and then I have a whole bunch of unbranded AR. Um, the unbranded AR ones, um, there is a noticeable quality difference because they, they like laser cut them from what I've seen. Um, so there's a, a definite, definite quality difference from those to the other mil spec triggers, but between all of those versus, I mean, the Geisley government trigger, and that that's a two-stage trigger, if I remember correct, it is a huge difference. I really was not um, was not expecting that big of a difference. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know what's funny is I have the uh, POF three and a half pound single stage trigger, which is my like my my bar for single stage triggers. It has zero play. Uh, no over travel like it is a awesome trigger i love that trigger so thank you to my dad out there who definitely got me that trigger um but um i have the uh single stage precision trigger that geisley makes and i also have the sd3g which is what people say is a single stage but it's more of like in between a two stage and a single stage like it has a little bit of travel not as much as a two stage, but definitely it, it still has travel, like pre-travel. Um, so both of those triggers, this the SSP and the uh, SD3G, the super dynamic three gun, fantastic, ultimate, like wicked quick triggers. And I and this is someone who does not like um, spending a lot of money on shit like that. Um, so thank you to Brownells again for sending those out but at the same time um 
they are very good triggers. Like if you're going to spend the money on a trigger, I do like the single stage precision trigger. I do not like two stage triggers. So I will never probably recommend a two stage trigger. And since LaRue went away from making um, the single stage trigger, they're the MBT single stage trigger. I don't know if I'll ever want to purchase a LaRue trigger. Um, so I'm a little bit upset that they went away from that. I wish they would maintain that trigger, like the single stage trigger, but I also know that's really hard for them to make, um, especially because a lot of people like two stage triggers more than the single stage trigger people. So um, I think when people get into being trigger snobs, they have a tendency to align themselves in one camp or the other i know a lot of guys that i shoot with they only run two stage triggers um and when i've had them pull the trigger on like the sd3g they were like that's not a two-stage trigger but then i have well i have another friend of mine who only likes single stage triggers and he's like well that's not a single stage trigger it's like so it's like you know it's in between both so then i went and got the geisley super um super single single precision or whatever um that one is uh a true single stage trigger very 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 minimal um pre-travel into the break that breaks like a carrot i mean like a frozen carrot it just it snaps and you have a very very clean trigger pull which i was very surprised at so a Geisley, I will say you make a good trigger, even though I don't necessarily like you as a company, <laughs> you make a good trigger. Yeah. I, I mean, I was, I'm still like just talking about, it. I, I was in shock at the difference. Yeah. I mean, granted, I mean, that government trigger, shit, I think it was, I bought it on uh, during a sale at Christmas, but it was like regularly they're like three twenty five, So they're, they're pricey. Um, but it, the government one, the reason I bought that over some of the others was it came with, it was like a five pound spring and then a three pound spring. And being I'm used to the mill spec and I wanted a little bit heavier of a spring, um, I went with the government so that I had the option of playing around with the spring weights and finding which I liked, um, which I think was the right route to go. And I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm running the five pound one and that thing feels a hell of a lot lighter than the other stuff or like my mil spec stuff. I think just because of the, uh, the quality of the trigger. Hmm. I don't know. Apparently a lot of people like the super tricon trigger. Tricon. Yeah. Right. So the super tricon gives you a four and a half pound total pull weight. So it's a two and a half pound first stage plus a full power hammer spring. So you get a you get a two and a half pound first stage and a two pound pull weight. Um, so a four and a half pound total, but apparently a lot of people like that because it's in between the straight, um, it's in between, like it's, it's a very good trigger. Apparently a lot of people like that, but you got the... I got the government, which is the SSAX um the ssaex the the ex uh is mine an e i can't remember now because there's there's what i was about to say is that there is the there's a few different ones yeah mine is just the ssax 
the EX is the one that was coming on the super duties that they did not sell to the public until probably a month and a half, two months ago. Okay. Um, and that was the trigger that piqued my interest in getting the government trigger. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's, have, it's on sale right now for 266, but it's also out of stock. The SSAX the, government trigger. Yep. Yeah. They, cause their contract overruns, they only uh, pop up occasionally. And the only spots I've seen them, or Brownells or uh, Charlie's Customs. Mm-hmm. Um, but the closest thing to that is the SSAEX uh, with the lightning bow. And that's the one that was on the Super Duty. It's literally the, from what I can tell, the exact same trigger, uh, hammer, disconnector. The only difference is the profile of the trigger itself. They do yeah. the lightning bow. The shoe, yeah. And the, the spring weights on those two, because there was a, there's two separate models of the bow and it was two different weights. I don't know. I, I just don't like the standard trigger shoe. Like I don't like that M4 style trigger shoe. I never have. So it's like, like I'm much happier. Like if ALG made a flat face trigger, like if they made the ACT in a flat face trigger, I would totally put that in every gun that I own and stop spending so much money on like a high value or uh, like high cost triggers. But the single stage precision trigger with the flat bow um, is on sale right now for 197. Okay, so the other one, there is an SSAX lightning bow. Well, there's also the SSAEX. Correct, yeah. So there is, there's two, and then there's the government uh, contract one. So the other, the two are the lightning bow, and then there's the government, but they essentially are the same as the government, but the government offers the, probably the springs, both springs that are between the two of the other ones. Yeah, so the SSAX lightning bow is 283 bucks. Um, and it's it looks like it's got a slight curve. Um, it is a two stage. Oh, what does it say? Doesn't doesn't give me pull weights. Yeah, surprisingly they don't give you the pull weights. So you have to go to. I'm pretty sure I looked at uh, Geisley directly for that uh, before because I was looking at getting one of these lightning bows for a future project uh, here. The SSAEX and... lightning bow trigger. Hmm. and i'm really the one another thing that really was confusing to me and maybe this is like me my uh i mean it's still a learning thing with some of these higher end triggers but when you have a two-stage trigger you have like your first stage weight and then your second stage rate and then your total pull and in my head i'm just like i don't know i'm just pulling the trigger why does it why do i need to know the weight of two different pulls like, I just want to know what the overall weight is. Some people want to know. I have no idea. Okay. Um, the standard X is between 4.25 and 4.75. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the E is always down in the three range. Yeah, I don't know about it on, on there. I have no idea what their pull weight is um, for the E. 
I don't know. Again, the 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 E is down to I mean two point nine to three point eight. So it the other the other E's that they offer, and I can't remember if you had said this, but I I know when we had Chris um, or Christopher Breast on, he had mentioned I think the the one tree he had was like super light, and that was an E. Um, their E's just seem to be a very very light trigger that for uh, like a self-defense gun or like a defense gun it, it it seems too light for that it's more precision shooting yeah i well and he actually just recently got the ssp the single stage precision in so i talked to him a little bit about that the other day well i guess i didn't talk we talked in the comments um but i i kind of wanted to get his view on it because i've been digging it like heavily because i put it in my m4 i put the single stage precision in my m4 my fn m4 um that apparently i'm being blasphemous and screwing up so um i find that hilarious <laughs> i I'd, I'd be interested to hear his input because he also has that super duty too so he has uh he has a variety of the triggers and it'd be interesting to hear i think the other one he had was the the rapid fire was the one that he said that was like crazy light I don't know. I have no idea. I shit. Let me look at his. Let me look at his Instagram while we <clears> keep talking. Um. Yeah, but I, I think he had the the rapid fire, which was super light, and those are my understanding is everything in the E is like a three pound pull, which better for precision. He's actually I'm a more, really good photographer. I'm a I'm a bit yes, annoyed at how good of a photographer he is. Um. But yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs> I don't know. I just think I need to pick up one of these SSAX triggers now, the standard one. I also think I'm just going to drop massive amounts of money on a on a GHM nine. I want to look. What was I'm going to look up? What my government trigger weight was again? So I know the exact weight. Yeah, because you you comparison. You've been loving that damn trigger. I I'm. I, I, I mean, just playing around with it last night, you can see I'm at a loss for words. The, the difference between that and what I'm used to was night and day. And I was very, very hesitant to spend that extra money um, mm -hmm. to get that trigger. And now that I'm there, I'm like, holy shit, why did I wait? Well, yeah. And you're like, why, why didn't I have this? Oh, so that trigger that he's got, it's because he's got that Geisley rifle. So the Geisley rifle came with that. Yes, yeah, he has the X on the, the Super Duty. But so. then he also, when we had him on, um, he had bought the Rapid Fire, if I remember correct. Mm. Um, so he has, he has a variety of triggers. It would be, it would be interesting to kind of hear uh, his thoughts between the, the different triggers. Maybe we'll have to try to get him back on here soon. <laughs> I know, right? Just talk about guys with triggers. Just it, 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 just a trigger episode. Yeah, just all about triggers. Um, and not about triggering liberals, just triggers. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the government trigger that I have, um, it lists it as a pull weight between 5.25 and 6 pounds. So it's actually just a touch heavier than um the the standard sa ssa uh lightning bow that comes on the 
um, Super Duty. So do you like that standard trigger shoe, that, that curved trigger shoe? Um, I haven't strayed from that. <clears throat> um, I'm curious to try one of the flat face triggers. I actually got... Um, Don't. It'll ruin you forever. You'll never want to shoot another fucking <laughs> non-flat face trigger. I, 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 I did buy because I was set on running mil spec. Um, I did buy, there's a company that does a mil spec trigger with a, uh, with a flat face. Mm -hmm. So it was like 30 bucks or something. I haven't put it on, uh, I haven't put it on anything partly because I was a little nervous. I'm going to like it and then I'm going to need a ton of Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to tell you right now, if you buy a flat face trigger, you're going to be mad when you don't, when you run a gun and it doesn't have a flat face trigger. Um, because this Geisley Super Dynamic uh, 3 gun and the SSA triggers are both phenomenal. And the SLT2 trigger from KE Arms and the POF like are all awesome triggers. I mean, just super lightweight easy to break just i mean great triggers so if you're if you're in the market for a new trigger and you want to try it out uh, be wary when you go to try out a, a flat bow trigger because you're going to be very upset when you can't run all your other guns with that same flat bow i i mean i really don't mind that um that standard bow I didn't either until I got a flat one. And then I was like, well, that I don't want any of that other crap now. <laughs> I don't know. I think I also think that we need to do like a suppressor episode, but I need to get more time with more suppressors. And I, I just need to put in my SOT paperwork so I can start getting I, in cans. Yeah, I'd love, uh, you know, I'd love talking that stuff. And I, I still have so much to learn. Like it's not a an area that I can say that I'm completely knowledgeable in. I definitely still have a ton to learn. I'm definitely not. Like I know a little bit like, um, but I'm definitely not super knowledgeable in a lot of that stuff. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we can find, um, maybe we can find somebody to join us for that too. Um, hop on and just talk cans and who knows e-form e process, that kind of stuff. Yeah, oh, anybody that knows that. I mean, I know, I know with the e-forms, you got to like go online and set up your account with the ATF. And then you can go to the silencer shop thing and set up your account there and then go to there and they take your picture and do your fingerprints on that thing. And then you just, you can e-form cans. Um, yep. So once you do all that, it's super simple. But, uh, and I think, I think that's actually what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to buy like a resonator or um, the uh, Turbo K, the Gen 2. I think I'm going to get one of those and just have that like as a personal can and just run that because um, that I've been wanting a K can and it's either between that or the Dead Air Sandman K, um, which I really would like to run. So yeah. I go ahead. I was going to say anybody trying to jump into the NFA game. Um, I mean, if you're doing a can and you do it all through silencer shop, they save your fingerprints mm -hmm. and it is not listed on their site, but you can pick up the phone, call them and order just fingerprint 
uh, excuse me, fingerprint cards. Um, hmm. If you're doing like an SBR. Well, you can form one through the site too. But Silencer Shop will not do it. That's on you. But they have your fingerprints. Oh. So that you don't have to order cards from like the FBI or, or sorry, they're FBI cards. So ATF or wherever the hell. I know you can get them on the ATF site. But you can get pre-filled out cards from Silencer Shop. I forget the price. I want to say it was like 20 bucks, 25 bucks maybe. Mm-hmm. Might be less. It might be like 15 because it's been a little bit. Um, either way. They can send you the, the two cards pre-done. Um, and yeah, then you just send them right over to the, uh, the ATF. That's interesting. So yeah, that's, uh, it eases the process across the board. Like with cans, it is amazing. If you're doing form ones and you're doing it yourself since they don't do it. Well, good luck. Um, good luck form one form wanting a can now. They won't let you do it apparently. Um. I think that all comes down to how you're doing it, but I, I haven't, um, I mean, I've never formed one. I always go form four for those, but there, I, I think it all, my understanding about the stink that they were making before, I think was the state in which the parts were, <laughs> um, they were trying to deem already a can. So there's some weird fine line there, which again, after the recent Supreme court rulings, um, any court challenges to that, they're going to be told to pound sand. True. True. Oh, damn. We needed to talk about that. So what is your, what is your take on that? Um, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. That's amazing. Um, the, I, the, I, the, the impacts that are going to come out of that decision for years to come are crazy. Um, and we briefly touched on it on the previous episode, but I mean like mag bans, assault weapons bans, uh, open carry licenses. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, along with obviously the main case was the concealed carry. But yes, they, I mean, Clarence Thomas hit the nail on the head with that. And I mean, the Second Amendment is the right to bear arms. So your Second Amendment right does not end when you walk out your front door yeah well i mean bare arms i think that kind of goes without saying but i can't believe we needed a supreme court to tell us that well the the thing that's going to be interesting is i'm not sure if you followed what new york has done Um, i don't follow new york very much so I, i my understanding i think they kind of threw together like a special session to cram through some legislation after this and they're making it so now if you're going on to trying to think of a good example, because I think they, I want to say like private property, but like privately owned property or whatever. So like, let's say you're going out to dinner at like a restaurant. They now pass something that you need to notify them that you're carrying. You have and to, you say, have to notify them that you're carrying. Yes. And that, Yeah. that's dumb seems quite pointless i i I, again i I think that um i i I think that's unconstitutional from my seat because you're then restricting my right to then carry um and you're making me then again justify 
carrying in an area by having somebody else approve it. Uh, on top of the the thing that I thought of is like, okay, so now you want me to tell somebody that I'm carrying, and if they don't want me to carry, then I probably have to explain the liability issues of if something happens while I'm on their property, well, they're liable. Sorry, someone just rang my front door. Hold on. Oh, good. Well, you got to talk to them now. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah, so I don't know. That's a whole uh, between what they're doing in New York and what they're doing in California. Both of them have implemented um, social media. I want to refer to it as background checks, but I think they're looking at your social media accounts that you've had in the last three years. California kind of rolled out a, uh, the way I view it is kind of a uh, communist uh, point scale of where you stand on in society of whether you can get a permit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of, a lot of things being thrown out there to see if they stick to the wall, I think is the best way to put it. Um, Sorry, I'm back. Um, the so with the California thing, are, you were I heard you talking about like they were talking about um, like social society thing. You know, I think we need to have right to bear on again to talk about like what the new stuff is going to be in the state of California. They're um, doing that in um, New York too. The two of them are looking at social media for something like two to three years back. That see to me, I think I think if you're gonna search through people's social media, you're you're tyrannical at that point. It's it's overreach. It it is it's a hundred percent overreach. Mm-hmm. Um, I most of the stuff that I I honestly think that they're just throwing shit at the wall now because what came out last week, if you actually like read what he wrote, you can challenge the NFA, you can challenge the the Gun Control Act. Um, I mean, it, it calls out straight up that arms used back in, you know, when uh, the Second Amendment was made differ no different than the arms now. They're all covered under the Second Amendment as for use for self-protection. Yeah. And I, wor- I worded it a slight di- differently. I we're always worried about, I'm always worried about how I word things, but Clarence worded it, he articulated it a lot better than I just did. Basically, yeah. uh, basically anything that is used to defend yourself, he said, is listed as covered by the Second Amendment. So if I use a slingshot covered by the Second Amendment. Well, that's pretty awesome. I would I would hope that that's something that's done uh, more often. I I, um, I kind of can't wait to see what happens, though, with these states, like with New York, New Jersey. Um, California, like I kind of can't wait to see like what happens because I think the people are going to start to get pissed. And I want to know at what point in time can like they kind of like rise up and be like, "Hey, you, dude, like go away, like you can't do this to us." So that that's another couple things that I'm I'm curious about and I wonder about because to me that seems, I, yeah, I, I just think we're going to see completely outrageous stuff um, next legislative session. Um, we're already seeing it with California's move. Their their data dump, you no know, like dumping everybody's names, addresses, oh, <laughs> all of that information. There was no there was no accident there. There no. was no accident no. there. That was intentional. That was a hundred percent intentional. Yeah. And then I mean New York, 
prior to the decision already knew what the decision was going to be. So they were already passing laws to restrict where you could carry in this and that. And I think what happened, and I, I'd be interested to hear from somebody in New York. I don't like, I can't really think of, uh, I can think of somebody you could probably bring on to discuss that with, but um, I, I would be interested to hear their take He's a cop. That. He doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, they, they had already started to take the steps because they knew that that was going to be overturned. Um, oh. and, and then immediately like that decision hit and they went full panic mode and I mean, rolled out the social media thing. I think, um, I mean, you know, what, what, so is it, isn't that still a, 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 a May issue at that point? Like it's still up to the state. Like, so I thought, I thought the whole thing uh, with the Supreme court was you cannot do that anymore. Like if they meet the requirements, you have to issue a permit. But see, you just said it right there. If they meet the requirements, if they're making the requirements, they still decide. True. So, I mean, there's still licensing required, um, which I, I think a lot of people got a little confused initially of, oh my God, we're going all constitutional carry across the country. No, uh, you still need to file for your permits. Um, Unless you're in a state that's constitutional carry friendly. And yeah, and you're, and you're subject to what their requirements are. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're in one of those states and you haven't taken a class yet and submitted yet, I would sign up as soon as you can because they are going to completely flip the script on what the requirements are. And you want your permit in hand before that. Yeah, well, from what I'm hearing is they're they're getting to the point now where they're um like their dudes charging like $800 for a concealed carry class. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, you know, mine's restricted. I was chatting with the guys at my, my local shop. Uh, they told me to go ahead and submit an appeal uh, because they only have 90 days to review in my state to make a decision. Um, so I'm, I'm, I, I need to go on and look at the verbiage on the site. I want to make sure that I kind of dot my I's and cross my T's if I'm going to appeal because I have concerns around like, and I think it's overthinking it, but like, could they come back and still deny? I don't think they could. I don't know. I'm overthinking it, but I, I want to go check out. It. Yeah, I'm, I'm way overthinking it, but I want to pop on the site and read through the verbiage on there and probably submit an appeal. Um, my understanding is local law enforcement, though, has already acknowledged the restrictions are unconstitutional. Um, so I don't think they well, have any intention of harassing people. I think I wouldn't count on that. But, you know, you know my thoughts on a lovely government. Yeah, I, well, I, you know, I'm also too cautious, so I'm not going to run around doing it anyways. But, <laughs> but I think uh, cops would be like, yeah, no, we won't arrest you for that. And come here, man of color while we scrape your face on the ground and beat the shit out of you because you're not the right skin tone. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm not, Yeah, yeah. I'm not, you know, well, I won't get into that, but um, thank you, Lord Thomas for helping us. Um, 
Yeah, Clarence, uh, he's laying down. He laid down the hammer last week, man. Oh yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a wild roller coaster, that's for sure. And I'm pretty excited to see what happens now. So, um, I I just don't know. The thing that I'm very curious about now is how long is it going to take for the dust to settle for the mag bans, the assault weapons ban, the like everything they cram down to the appeals courts and that how long is it for those guys to hear it? And then the other thing is like, there's a lot of excitement about this, but in the appeals court, if they go turn around and say, Oh, it's unconstitutional per what uh, Bruin V whatever the hell it was, New York. Um, NYSRPA V Bruin or whatever. Yes. So if they, if they, in the appeals court, they go, it's unconstitutional. What do you think the next step is? I don't know. <laughs> the, states, the states are going to keep appealing until no end. Well, see, to me, I feel like they can't. My understanding is they can. No, I mean, so again, as, I'm not an attorney, so don't take law advice from me. Yeah, I, somebody told me, I, can't, I cannot remember who it was, but I was having conversations with somebody and... Um, they said basically they can just keep appealing and it i maybe i might have i might have been a youtube i watched or something um from like legally armed scholar or one of those guys definitely don't take any Um, law advice from youtube (laughs) yeah i mean it's not the not the greatest of sources but my understanding is that they can just keep appealing so i feel like there's some super hype right now but i'm trying to understand how we get to where it appears we should be going without all of this mumbo jumbo appeal, 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 appeal. Um, if that is the case. And I, I don't think, I mean, if that decision is the decision is coming down from the Supreme court to the lower court, if, if it, if they keep appealing, then it's just getting pushed back up to the Supreme court and they're not going to hear the shit because they've already told them it's unconstitutional. So yeah, it, we're in this weird limbo state right now that is just, I don't know, there's a shit ton of hype. And I think there's a lot of um, excitement and anxiety of not knowing what's next. Well, yeah. And I think that it's good that we have these rulings, but at the same time, like, I kind of feel they need to either be either more broad or more specific, like it, like how... Kavanaugh stated like, oh, well, you know, you can't have, this doesn't mean that it's constitutional carry in every state now. I, to be honest, I don't see why not. Like, why can't you have constitutional, if you're going to rule like that, why didn't you just rule constitutional carry for every state at that point? You know, because to me, I feel like you're, you're just dangling a carrot in front of people. You have a lifetime appointment to that seat. So do something good with it. Um, I mean, I think that's the licensing aspect. And And what they ruled is, I mean, on top of obviously the decision they made, they stated how they made the decision and how all of these cases should be looked at, which is off of the historical context and the one-step process versus the two-step process that was being used. And my understanding is the two-step process, uh, and I could be wrong here, but um, the two-step process is you're looking at the historical context and then you're looping back and trying to apply it to modern times and seeing essentially if tweaks need to be made and agreeing whether 
um, those tweaks fit modern time. And that's not how moving forward any of it is supposed to be looked at. It's supposed to be looked at directly as the Constitution reads, as it always should have been. Well, yeah, text, um, history, and tradition is what it says. Yeah. So, you know, that's, to be honest, I think that's a good thing. But at the same time, text, history, and tradition, we don't have text, history, or tradition of um, concealed carry permits in this country. Like, there's none of that until, um, you know, slaves became people. Uh, and then, you know, we had to keep them from owning firearms. So that was when they decided they were going to make a permitting scheme. So I think if you go through text history and tradition, that could easily be defeated in any court for uh, concealed carry in that state. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I think the what they're looking at with that, though, I, I'm not even sure... I feel like they looked at the licensing aspect and they, they did say that there was certain individuals that were restricted from doing it. And by, to be able to accomplish that, you'd need to have a licensing. What individuals? Like, I mean, to be honest, if you're going to carry a gun illegally, you're carrying it illegally. You know? I mean, they, from, from my seat, the, the way that I think it should work is that if you can pass the background checks to buy a gun, you should be able to pass the background check to carry it. If you can buy a gun out of a vending machine, you can carry it. That's how what I think. So I'm we, way more pro-freedom than Malone. I, I mean, I guess. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think that's what the, the ruling was. Uh, and the way that's the way that they're... Uh, they're looking for it to be interpreted. Well, but see, at that point, if that was if that was the rule, then California could just be like, "Oh, well, we don't want you to buy a gun, so here we go. We're going to make all of them illegal." Um, which, well, they they also within the verbiage of that decision said that that I mean they they've basically stated you can't make them illegal because they're covered with the other statement. That's why there's so many different dynamics in that decision that cover things like that and this um, will be argued until we get laser guns and then laser guns will immediately be outlawed and then they'll be issued to all the bootlicking police and then people won't be able to get them and then we'll just have normal regular arms and then that will be argued again and people will completely forget about firearms like i think give it like 40 50 years and nobody's going to care about rifles anymore like at all I'm just trying to get a full auto laser gun before you can't. That's all I'm saying. Well, it's a laser gun. There's no such thing as full auto. You just pull the trigger and laser. Oh, consistent beam. <laughs> mm -hmm. Laser. Consistent beam laser. <laughs> cut all the cut all those lovely bootlickers in half. I mean, you, you could cut down trees and stuff with something like that. That could be a useful Yeah, thing. tree is a good word for bootlicker. <laughs> I mean, it's it sounds like a versatile tool. It's a forest clearing tool, <laughs> and we and we clear down the forests of blue. Now I uh, now I'm picturing for, fern gully. I don't know if you've seen that. I have a seven year old daughter. I have seen fern gully. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> that you know what's funny though is that goo that seeps out of that tree still scares the shit out of me. I haven't seen it in years, but it's the black goo, right? Yes, and it is it is utterly frightening. Like I'm well into my adulthood, and I still look at that and I go, like I still get the like the creepy like I was freaked out at seven watching that. So it's like I can't imagine like what my daughter like because she's she had a nightmare about it a couple weeks ago. So I thought that was pretty interesting. My son keeps dreaming about aliens. Dude, it's still a fear of mine. I don't want to die from aliens, but I also think that they're really fucking cool. So, did you ever see the movie the the fifth, the fourth movie? kind, the fourth, fourth kind. kind? Yeah, man, I I could not sleep without the fucking lights on <laughs> in my room for like a month after I watched that damn movie. <laughs> and like, I I don't get scared at like horror movies because I don't. I don't like they don't bother me but when it comes to aliens that shit scares the ever-living hell out of me but i also love alien movies like i like alien is my favorite alien alien versus predator aliens um like all that stuff like i i love the prometheus like all that stuff is like i'm hardcore into that i also love this one um it's called brown mountain lights or no it's a it's called um there's one called area 51 and then there's another one called like lights on the mountain. Like it's stupid. Awesome. I love all that stuff. It, it, I I still freak out at night. Like after I watch alien movies, but yeah, war of the worlds. I love um, all of the world, the world's movies, including the Tom Cruise one. Cause I know people don't like that one. Um, but I do like that one just cause I love alien movies. And I think that was one of the last decent alien movies to come out. Like in the last like 20 to 25 years. Yeah, but uh, homework assignment for everybody that's listening was uh, watch the fourth kind. <laughs> I I wouldn't suggest that you won't sleep. I if you if you're easily scared at aliens, uh, eh, fuck. I you hate know it's you know it's crazy is uh, like I I was watching it when I learned about it. I watched it. I feel like I watched it a couple times, and then I walked out back on my deck one day, and there was an owl <laughs> perched up on uh, like a power line. I was like, oh shit. Is that how is that how your, your porch got stained brown? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause if I watched if I watched that movie and then I went outside and there was a fucking owl, I'd yeah. I would just I'd shoot myself. Like there'd be no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'd be like, nope. It, it was pretty fucking wild. <laughs> By the way, I do not condone any sort of violence against yourself or being. Um, if you have anything about that, reach out, find if you have any issues with that, please reach out and find uh, professionals. I'm not a professional, so don't talk to me about it. Um, but I'm here if you need help. Um, you can always reach out to me in DMs, and we'll all try to do what we can to give you some help. So I didn't mean Stay to here. didn't mean to uh, make jokes about that, but at the same time, like to me, nothing is off limits. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, there, there's, yeah, there's folks out there that. Uh, need help <laughs> and uh I, I, you and i are both there to chat if anybody needs that uh an ear a listening ear definitely so i think it's time to wrap up we're gonna we're gonna get going i hope you guys enjoyed this podcast uh as always submit feedback i still haven't found any new reviews on apple podcasts or anything like that so if you have a review please put it in and i will read it on air or malar will read it on air or mike will read it on air one of us will um and we'll talk about it but um Thank you guys so much. Uh, and as always, Millar, do you want to 
run suppress, stay blessed. And shoot him in the face. <laughs>